I don't... I don't know exactly what happened. No. There's nothing you could have done. One tragic moment in their lives... Are you sure that there wasn't a lot of pain? ...will become their most profound... Things don't just happen. What do we do now? Try not to disturb the body. A special all-new Buffy. Welcome to Draconian Katra, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 5, Episode 16, The Body. We'll be talking about plot, we will be talking about characters, and we will be talking about what Joss Whedon thinks about the plot and characters. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and probably other shows and movies. Okay, remember, we're not going to podcast about this episode. We're going to podcast about the negative space around this episode. Okay. Welcome back to what surely will be an incredibly upbeat, not meandering, really precise, full of jokes episode of If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. Uh, my name is Kelly, and I'm here with my co-host, Stacia. Say hello. Hello. And Daniel, say hello. My beat me pod tastes funny. I think I got the one with rum in it. Oh, yeah. Wow. From the one lighthearted scene in the, the episode. Good call. Good call. We all we have to find the light somewhere. Yes, we do. We'll do our best. Uh, we are here to talk about possibly the heaviest episode of the show i mean buffy does die twice so i don't know that's the rumor so maybe we'll we'll uh we'll discuss that as we go on but i uh, only remember once but uh but yeah <laughs> i hear it's twice but i'm pretty sure it was just someone one keeps reminding us apparently it's twice <laughs> um we're here to talk about the body season five episode 16 originally aired february 27th of the year 2001 written and directed by joss whedon this is the 23rd of 27 that he has written uh, 17th of 20 that he has written and directed. He didn't He didn't only direct an episode. He either wrote it, wrote and directed it, and that's it. You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean. Uh, so the last one that he wrote and directed was Family. The next one will be The Gift, so the season finale. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I think this might be the fastest plot of all time. Hey, what happened in this episode? Buffy's mom fucking died and we all had to deal with it. <laughs> so, uh, moving on. Uh, Joyce and Cassie, uh, who is in Conversations with Dead People, this actually has a, a lot of direct links. There's a lot of dialogue that the first will use against our friends um, that comes straight from this episode in that season seven episode, Conversations with Dead People. But Cassie, who is um, one of the students at Sunnydale High that actually dies and then is brought back in for Conversations with Dead People to use uh, as a vessel for Tara to torment Willow. They're the only people on the show that die of natural causes. Um because everyone else is murdered, usually. I guess not everyone, but yeah, right? Everyone, or they die of a supernatural force, right? So mm-hmm. they're the only ones that die of, of natural causes. Um, Spike does not appear in this episode. This is the first episode he has not been in since becoming a season right. regular in season four. It's probably for the best. Yeah, I don't I really know where we could have... with him in it. Yeah, I, it feels like you couldn't... It'd Especially be too after loaded. Like, telling him to go the fuck away yeah. last episode. It'd be really yeah. strange. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar, apparently not a fan of killing Joyce off. Did not want it to happen, which I get. I mean, I don't, I don't know that anybody wanted Joyce to die. Even as people who constantly criticize her, I don't think we wanted Joyce to die necessarily, right? Uh, hey, we don't criticize her. We love her. We just observe her. We observe her. 
Joss Whedon told Christine Sutherland that he was going to kill Joyce off at the end of season three. Not that he was going to kill her at the end of season three, but he told Christine while they were wrapping season three that she would be killed off in season five because she was spending a lot of time in Italy. She must have a second home there or something because I remember at the beginning of the pandemic last year, she was also in Italy. So I think she kind of lives there most of the time. I don't know. But so that's why she was gone for most of season four. Uh, and Joss Whedon apparently right at the end of season three was like, if you leave, you have to come back because I have to kill you and it's very important. So she knew for a while. I wonder if, if the whole cast knew or if it was just her. Okay, I mean, that's a, I did have that question. How long did he know? Yeah. That's a long time to know. I mean, that's two years. To really try to like work it in in some organic-ish way. I, I mean, mean, you did a great job, obviously. So, If we're supposed to believe the lore of the production, it seemed like he had season five really flushed out. Like he, re- he wanted Buffy to die. He wanted Joyce to die. He wanted to kill the whole family. He wanted everyone gone, man. <laughs> <laughs> he invented a new character, Dawn, just to yeah, try to kill her. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, what if what if Don died in this? Season? Only Hank survives. So. <laughs> yeah, loser. Uh, cat. It's taking me to the ice show. It should be big fun. Willow freaking out about her sweater, not being able to find the right thing to wear. Apparently, it was like a personal anecdote of Joss Whedon's. Um, he went to a friend's funeral and went to seven different stores trying to find the perfect black tie because if he didn't have oh. the black tie, it wasn't real. Um, I don't know if this is true or not, but. I don't know, sources, using Wikipedia as your only source, and then, like, old-ass forums that have been defunct for, you know, 20 years, is, is it's hard to find reliable information, but supposedly Willow and Tara kissing on screen was the end of the WB's ban on same-sex affection, like, because I guess Joss did it in a way that wasn't sweepsies or attention-grabbing or whatever, they were like, oh, I guess gay people, hey, they're just like us. I don't know. They're just people. I don't know. Shocker. Don't know if that's true, but I like to think so. If anybody is interested in the conversation between Buffy and Dawn, what's actually being said through the window when she goes to the school and, you know, all this, and we don't hear, we could just see Dawn's reaction. Uh, apparently, and I'm glad they didn't actually, Joss did film it. He filmed like six different versions of it where he had a straight two shot. He did an over over camera shot. He did like ex- a million different shots and then finally landed on, I'm just going to film it through the window and not have any of the dialogue. Um, but what the dialogue was, as uh, Buffy says, Mom died this morning while we were both at school. She, and then Don says, no. And Buffy says, I don't know exactly what happened, but she's dead. And Don, no, 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 you're lying. You're lying, she's fine, she's fine, you're lying. Oh, no, please, please, you're lying. She's fine, she's fine. Buffy says, Donnie. Don says, it's not true, it's not real, it's not real. So, cool. <laughs> Very sad. I do have a question, though. So we... Where we left off last episode was Xander doing construction work at the school. And then we we cut to her coming into the house the next day. Are we just supposed to believe that she went and went to bed and then like went about her life to work, to school? Well, yeah. Back? So the only reason why I, I wish this line was in there is because she says while we were both at school. So it I sounds know, like... It did happen while during the day. I mean, it makes sense. She finds her during the day. I don't think. And they're both living in the house. So it, I, I think, yeah. you know, I, presumably Dawn uh, got dropped off at school. Buffy went to her, her classes or whatever. And then Buffy came home after her class sometime okay. in the afternoon. And then found in my place. head, she went home like after talking to Xander. But yeah, it's just like the next day. Yeah. I think she is okay. wearing different clothes, but I don't. Probably. Probably. I don't remember. The flashback scene was added. Uh, for Justin, for a couple of reasons, like he wanted to add it anyway, but 
specifically, he did not want the credits to roll over Buffy doing the 911 yeah. call. And I was like, that is a great call and something that I wouldn't even think about. But yeah, that would, that would totally suck away that moment, right? He's like seeing the, the yeah. names and stuff on the screen. It would at least be distracting. Well, the only anecdote I have to that is I don't know how many times that's happened on TV because apparently with Breaking Bad and Ozymandias where Hank, spoiler alert, Hank gets killed, that whole thing is like 30 minutes straight of that the end of that storyline. And they had to go to the Screen Actors Guild and the Directors Guild to ask permission to not have the credits air with the names until the first break, mm. which was about a half an hour into it. Um, so they roll the, the credits while Hank is rolling his money barrel. Uh, not Hank, but um, Walter White is doing the money barrel across the desert. Um, but you have to ask permission to do that. Otherwise, you have to put the people in it. So I think it's it's wise of him to do something like that because I never really thought about it. But, yeah, you would have the credits mm-hmm. on it because you have to put it in right at the beginning of a program. So Yeah, he said that the scene was exactly as long as the credits mm, wow, that's amazing. had to be or whatever. Uh, and he also said, while we're on the subject of this particular moment, that he wishes that he would have had Joyce at the table with the Scoobies to like kind of give that visual of she was a part of their lives. Uh, but I kind of disagree. I think that it's cool to have her separate because it's – that's how Joyce really was. Like, I think it's it's disingenuous to say that she was such a ingratiated into the group so much because she really wasn't. She was just a presence that was there, but mostly out of the Well, frame. once a bad cook, always a bad cook. I mean, you ended it on the note that we all know her for, which is bad food choices. So Yeah, well, I bet she inspired a linguistic uh, go-to of mine. Anytime something is burned, I say that it's Cajun, and it's all the show's fault. Uh, the, song, the line, the strong like an Amazon thing, I just thought that was, like, and hmm. referencing Amazons because that's like a thing, you know, mm-hmm. they exist. But apparently Joss was specifically referencing a song by Frank, Frank the lesbian, Uncle Frank, the folk singer, the artist, Frank. Uh, she has a song called Amazon. Apparently this is what he was referencing. He's like, not just because she's a lesbian and they're lesbians. I was like, right, dude. <laughs> right. Emma Caulfield was once asked what she was thinking when she was delivering her heartbreaking monologue, and she said, mostly we've been shooting all day, and I really had to pee. So, cool. Nice. And apparently, Allison Hannigan had a terrible allergic reaction to that plaster dust from that fake-ass wall hole that Xander punches through. Oh, wow. Her eyes swelled up so bad that she had to go to the hospital, uh, but she had to stand there long enough to finish the scene. Had to, quote-unquote, stand there long enough to finish the scene, so she's only shot from her left eye, and then her right eye is not in the frame right after that. I'm just like, oh, Jesus. Wow. That sounds miserable. Um, I think that's all I have for, like, little notes. It So, Jocelyn did the commentary for this episode. Um, I always recommend checking out the commentaries, but I will say right at the top that while it was, it was interesting to hear his thoughts, uh, for me, nothing was super illuminating or, like, revelatory because I think he did a really good job conveying exactly what he was thinking i don't think it like all the choices he made directorially um in the writing in the in the pacing of the the episode came across you're supposed to feel the way that he wanted you to feel and and so it wasn't as insightful as some of the other ones have been but i think that's not a knock on it i think it's a credit to executing a vision perfectly um at least you know to, to the extent that he wanted to I would just start us off with a quote about this episode from Joss Whedon. 
Um, he said the body was obviously quite an experiment. I thought people were going to hate it. I thought they were going to go glassy-eyed and wish it was over. It wasn't supposed to be cathartic or fun or helpful or anything like that. It was just supposed to be what it's like in the situation for the first four hours after losing a loved one. The deadness, the lack of music, the no cutting, every act being in one scene. It was all supposed to be relentless, almost a kind of boredom to create what I wanted to capture. So... Time for for the other two people on this podcast to speak. I guess I would say I like it. It's a good episode of TV. It's not enjoyable, though. Yeah. Well put. Well put. Daniel, (laughs) do you feel similarly? Yeah. um, I I just like to imagine while I was sitting here 20 years ago, somebody watching this for the first time, they must have known something was happening based on the last episode. But I feel sorry for those people that are probably like, what do I do with the rest of this night? Um, The first time I watched this, I was presented... You know, we, we don't we don't talk a lot about, you know, the very special episodes anymore. But Kelly, you the first time we watched that you made this a very special episode. So we stopped at I was made to love you basically because you were like, we can't we're too drunk. We cannot watch the body <laughs> next. We have to stop for tonight and then we'll pick up, you know, whatever a couple of days or whatever from there, because you've got to be in the right frame of mind. So it was great to have a Sherpa guiding me through <laughs> this episode uh, but yeah there's no words for like how good smg is allison hannigan like deserves an emmy as much as sarah michelle geller uh the only time i really fucking broke down dying was allison hannigan like i had to go get the tissues i left my glasses I had a very very body moment where i put my glasses on the ledge here and i walked back because i thought i knew where the tissues were in my room and I didn't know. So I'm just searching around. And then I was like, where's my glasses? Oh, on the bed. And I'm crawling around the bed. So I just forgot in that like moment, it's like everything blanked away. And then I was blind and I'm like, where the fuck are my glasses? Walk back to the computer. No glasses. I'm like, Oh, great. I fucked up. (laughs) Finally found them obviously. But it was like one of those weird like moments with this because I don't know. You just get lost in it. It was really hard. I, I, you stop it a million times Everyone is so amazing. And like the the kiss, I just thought about the kiss with Tara. I thought about Tara's strength throughout this whole episode and I forgot that her mom died and like all of that at the end was like really powerful and amazing. I mean, I really love it. And the only thing I could think in terms of if we talk about TV later on is is a show that we've all watched, Six Feet Under. Everybody's waiting. That's mm-hmm. the only thing, the finale of that show, that I can compare this to. Like in terms of just like... Mm-hmm total cathartic release i mean josh said he, he didn't want it to be catharsis and i believe him but i'm sure it is it i mean it definitely was it was for me it felt great to get all that stuff out of my system and i'm sure it is for other people and i can't imagine because none of us right have lost our parents so i can't even imagine losing your parent like i don't want to watch this again ever honestly but like i, I can't imagine watching it after you know m- one of my parents passed especially if my mom died. yeah you know that would be tough i um I usually watch the episodes multiple times before we record, and I, I only watched it the one time and then um, listened to the commentary, and that was it. I just, like, didn't want to yeah. do it. And <laughs> so I, I have a very strange relationship with this episode because I did watch it live uh, when I was 13. Uh, I don't think I had the emotional, like, depth or, like, yeah. and, and definitely not, like, the... Uh, TV connoisseur, any of that baggage or knowledge or history or anything going into it. Uh, what I did have was yeah. a very desperate lesbian 
<laughs> who have possi- possibly for the say. first time seeing two women kiss on screen. And let me tell you, yeah. that was a reason to watch this episode over and over again, which is like, gotta do something to you psychically. <laughs> like, I, I would record all the episodes as they aired onto a, you know, a VHS tape, and I broke my VH- VHS tape during the scene where they kissed, so I couldn't watch it anymore because I just kind of maybe watched that over and over again. I was very lonely and very young. Yeah. <laughs> this is all we had, okay? It's all I had. So that's a particularly strange take i think for this episode i mean i'm really glad that i've watched the the series over uh, as i've like you know periodically yeah. throughout my life because like this episode it definitely resonates much differently than it did when i was a kid i can't really remember it beyond that so i can't offer any insight yeah. <laughs> to that i just wish i was a little bit older because it probably wouldn't be my only memory of it it was eight eight years ago that we watched it and in that eight years i've never touched this episode one time and and it all flooded back to me in a lot of ways, but it was also very new, which was nice. And I can't imagine me wanting to do this for another eight years. I mean, at the very yeah. least. Oh, briefly, while we're on the topic of kind of watching this for the first time, Stacia, do you remember, like, because they do, Buffy has a couple different fantasies in it throughout the episode, but the the first one when Joyce, you know, the paramedics are working on Joyce and she takes that breath and she's like, oh my God, it's a miracle. Did, did you ever think for a second, can you remember when you first watched it, if you thought that that was real for a moment? In general, when people die on TV shows, I tend to be really skeptical. But in this case, I wonder, I don't know that I would have immediately been like, oh, yeah, I knew she wasn't dead the whole time. Mm. So I'm not yeah. I'm not sure because it feels like wish gratification or something like the way that it's filmed. It doesn't feel like it's actually happening. We got her. My God, we got Let's her. Let's get her in the truck now. Call it in ahead. I've never brought one back this oh, way. I'm here. It's a miracle. That's what it is, a beautiful miracle. Good as new. Oh, Buffy, thank God you found me in time. Stacia, did you watch this uh, in a binge way? Did like, Because Jenna it was your Sherpa, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy Sherpa. Did she appropriately set the tone and, and she... shield you? She did not. <laughs> no. no. And I mean, I'm trying to think and I don't specifically remember this episode um i did watch everything with jenna like really the two strong memories that i have of watching it with her specifically is she tried to show me once more a feeling before i'd watched any of the show and i was like this is bullshit and then took her like another four years to convince me to watch it (laughs) i get it i get the impulse to want to do once more a feeling as an introductory episode but i also would shy away from it i think i would do hush over once more a feeling if we're honest um so yeah i wasn't into that and then the other really clear memory that i have is when she played um, the first episode of season five or whatever it is when Dawn appears for the first time. Oh, real me, yeah. And yeah. I was like, I think you, you played these out of order. <laughs> I think you played the wrong one. And she was like, nope, and just like play the next episode. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Tell me. And she's like, nope. <laughs> she just like would not explain. But with the body, I don't really remember her like setting the scene or anything. I mean, we weren't getting like stupid drunk <laughs> when we were watching it so it wasn't like she had to like be like whoa we're way too wasted for this um, <laughs> so yeah I mean I don't I don't really remember I, I mean obviously it was sad and it's definitely an episode that sticks with you but 
we didn't really have it wasn't an experience the way it sounds like Kelly <laughs> created for you. Oh. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. I um I hadn't heard this before, but during the commentary Joss mentioned that a couple of fans, um, you know, when this aired live, thought that Dawn reaching to Joyce's face at the end uh, she was really? going to heal her somehow in the next episode. No. Like, with her key power, she was going to bring her back to life. And he's like, what show are you watching that you think that I well, would do that? Um, why the not? show where you already brought the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. her back to life. Yeah, I thought it was a little rich of him to be incredulous because yeah. it's like, bro, you you have, though? You already have done that. You brought Angel back from hell after months of torture. What are you... I not- mean, like, truly, this is a show where anything could happen. That was a totally reasonable thing to think. Also, she literally tries to do that in forever. Like... Yeah, that exactly. is a story plot point. So oh. the cut to black is so reminiscent of The Sopranos. Like when I got that, the, my first thought was made in America. Like that's how The Sopranos ends. Mm. And there there's like so much more tension. Like what are these people doing? Blah, 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 blah. This one, the stakes are very low. Like I thought she was going to close her eyes or mm. she was just trying to feel if Joyce was breathing. You know, she's weirdly reaching for like the side of Joyce's nose. Like it <laughs> seems like I, in my head, she wanted to prove that she wasn't breathing. Like she was. Oh, yeah. So that's the whole the whole thing that it's uh, Buffy's arc through the episode is kind of like she doesn't believe it at first. And then after having to physically deal with Joyce's body is like, oh, my God, this is way too real. And and Dawn, because she didn't see anything happen, she didn't have to deal with it firsthand. None of it feels real to her. And the only way to like prove that this actually happened is to like touch her mom and know that she's not. And she said the cold line, the same cold line as at the beginning. She's cold body is cold no my mom should i make her warm this episode's gonna be hard to talk about i don't want to super hit all the the beats that you know i'm i'm taking for granted that anybody that's watched this show or knows even just like a little bit about tv kind of knows like yes there are a lot of continuous shots uh yes things are framed weird and it's all intentional um so i don't want to super harp on any of that but um i i kind of want to know from both of you, what your takeaway from this episode is, like what you think it's about or what you're supposed to learn. Uh, death, you know. <laughs> Why do I always have to go first? Because you're right next to me. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just seems natural. I mean, I think this episode does a really good job with, um, for being a show where people and demons die in every episode this is the first time we've ever really like wrangled with the concept of death and the like physicality of death like vampires just disappear there isn't a body left afterwards and um like going through the motions of like what do we do we go to the hospital do we have to see the body or what are we here for like what what are like Anya verbalizing like I don't understand the steps of doing this like I've never had to do this before what do you do how do you make things better everyone's sad and I don't like you can't fix it um so I think that's really unique to TV in a lot of ways because generally death is just, like, a plot point or something, and we really take the entire episode to, like, wrestle with how do you actually <laughs> handle it? Like, what yeah. <laughs> what do you do when there's just this void in your life all of a sudden and you're not expecting it and everyone's trying to grapple with it? It's um, interesting that you, you use the word physicality because mm-hmm. – uh, Joss kept harping on that. He was like, I really wanted to point out like the 
gross machinations of like this is nothing feels more real than somebody dying and he pointed out the the times that he kind of went over that or tried to illustrate that um was uh, trying to get him in order so like the first thing is um buffy cracks joyce's ribs Mm -hmm. that's like the first like because he was like, he was like, I try to push it over the top every little thing. Stuff I would never normally show on screen that TV never really shows. That, that everybody just takes for granted that, that death is this like wrapped up neat thing. And you don't talk about certain stuff like with Anya and everything. Um, that's uh, Six Feet Under. It's good that you pointed that out because that, that show definitely gets into that because that's the whole kind of thrust of the show. But anyway, um, her like Joyce's skirt riding up and like that being unseemly for like, you know, if the paramedics are in such a state. Uh, Buffy throwing up and then her her face afterwards, how it's all like sweaty and, and yucky. Um, yeah. Even Dawn blowing her nose um, and then showing a, a nude figure, um, even if it's just a, you know, the silhouette. Ter- Willow and Tara kissing even because that was a level of physicality we never seen. Xander punching the wall uh, and yeah. the vampire being naked. He was like, mm. not only are we doing this weird fight that we've never done where, you know, Buffy feels like overpowered and it feels extra like scary, like she's kind of being manhandled in a way that she doesn't that doesn't happen to her but also that he is naked it's like another level of intrusion into like this weird just grossness it's like he just wanted to put this kind of peel back the the nice veneer that everybody puts on and dawn's a child right so it's like this Mm -hmm. adult man who is naked in front of a child too it's Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah nuts messed up so Daniel, yeah, same same vague weird question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stacia's answer was excellent. I mean, in terms of like learning anything, yeah, it's it is really. I love that first four hours of death. I didn't even think about that really, because um, time sort of like slips away from us here in this in this world where we just kind of like go from scene to scene. Um, we we're only outside really with Anya and them driving in the car and then double parking and. I don't know. We we love this. I love this for the same reason I love Restless, which is like just the rhythms of it, the way people are talking to each other and just how like surreal it all feels. And unlike Restless, where dreams, you can only go so far. I think death is something that even if you don't deal with it with a parent in a way like we we've all experienced death of like celebrities, but even like grandparents. And I don't know. It just it really depends on where you are in, in your own time. You as a 13 year old. You might listen to music, you know, Kelly, you and your new metal uh, listening to, to that. You're like, I know death. But, you know, you just want to see two girls kiss on the screen. Right. But it's now it's, <laughs> her priorities aren't that much different. Right. Now it's mainly the same thing, except now you fear death and you stay away from stuff that makes you sad. And this episode is like, you got to turn it off to get away from it. It's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. There is no respite. And I just I love that about it. It is unrelenting. And and that does get mm. it's hard to watch. It's a really hard watch. Unrelenting is a good word. Yeah, I think it's one that Joss used himself. Also, yeah. he's like, I intentionally made everything last too long. Everything takes too long. You get stuck and you're trapped. Uh, even the way that he framed people, yeah. like um, my my favorite shot in the in the show is um, the paramedic being out of frame. You just see his the lower half of his face. Yeah, um, and when he does the over the camera shot too, he made, he's like, I made Sarah as small as I possibly could in that window so that she's like barely even there to kind of show. He's like every, every opportunity I could, even when all four of them are doing the crane shot in the dorm room too, nobody moves from their position. Cause it's just like, you're stuck. And like, that's very much how the episode want. Like yeah. he wants you to feel in the episode is you were stuck. You're not getting out of this. Is this going to take too long? And the, and the parking, the car thing, all that kind of stuff. Like life continues to go on. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah, like getting the ticket. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and Dawn being upset about a boy, and like, yeah. all, like, Love that. your love life that. is still happening, 
And that's one of the terrible things about it. Well, and I love that. I, I just like really want to highlight like I was floored that the continuity of her cutting herself was even in this episode. That yeah. blew me away. I was like, oh, Joss, you're not really one to remember your own fucking show. So I was so <laughs> happy because that just feels so organic. And it was also really surreal that those girls were out there, right, as she walked out of the bathroom. Clear your eyes. You don't want to be sad. And they, you know, we still don't know if they were really that bad or it's just like a teen girl thing or whatever. But it was so weird that even after the bell rang, went into the classroom, they talked for like three minutes. And then they were still out there afterward. Like, that was really creepy to me that when they walked out to talk, they shot to the girls, like, same position as if they hadn't moved. Odd. It's just odd. It just feels very unnerving and unsettling. And then to watch all the kids, I mean, my first thought was, girl, get your class in order. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> they're just letting all the kids, like, stare outside at at this this horrible thing. It's not, like true to reality but it's true to the feeling of reality if that makes sense oh yeah she should have like a giant visitor sticker on her chest (laughs) she should she should (laughs) otherwise predator stranger danger um and i'm i'm gonna try to hand fist some more levity into it because this is the only scene that i really had anything to say negative about not negative but you know what's going on negative space yeah. What's that all about? Yeah. Well, quite literally negative. I've never taken an art history class. or That's an art history. That's an art class. I've never taken an art class. <laughs> so is drawing the negative space. That's a thing. That that's is? A thing. That yeah, is. That's okay. definitely cool. a thing. That's definitely a technique when you're trying to draw like weird. I mean, no one on the podcast can see this, but like this shape here. Like instead of trying to draw her arm and her head, you just draw this like triangle. Oh, the triangle. Okay. And it helps you like visualize. Huh. Um things that look wrong so you can like target it and fix it okay that's really it well that makes me i mean but yeah it feels like one of those like snotty (laughs) (laughs) navel gazy the notes that you don't liberal arts yeah yeah yeah, totally yeah um did i'm gonna just pitch to you first every time so you gotta get used to it you just gotta let it happen thank you for sharing what the episode made you feel what you thought about the episode how you felt um Oh no, I'm not going to do that. But I am oh. going to tell you what uh, <laughs> what Joss Whedon like kind of Just the whole idea of from. the episode. Yes, exactly. Uh, my experience of death is okay. Sorry, my experience of death is apart from a lot of hugging at funerals, it seldom brings people together. It actually tears them apart. I had always learned from TV that death made everybody stronger and better and learn about themselves. My experience was just that an important piece had been taken out of the puzzle and that piece would never be replaced and people would never be the same. There is no glorious payoff. Um, and then he like, kind of paraphrase, he goes on a little bit and then he says, uh, I haven't found any lessons in death other than I wish it wasn't or I wish it wouldn't. A week after you died, a package with your name on it came and inside was a gift for our daughter you had ordered in secret and collapsed there on the front steps. I wailed. A backpack for when she goes to school a couple years from now. You were thinking ahead to a future you must have known deep down would not include you. Though you clawed at the cliff, you were sliding down, being swallowed into a silence that's bottomless and real. It 
it's dumb And I don't want to learn anything from this I love you What? You just look like you're tearing up a little Leave me alone! Oh, here we go The tears start <laughs> Well, it's it's true. I mean, I think like, uh, you know, not to go on beat, you know, over the head with the I haven't lost anybody super close to me. So it's like I don't have any personal frame of reference, but it's like I I feel that we get our characters, all their perspectives because they're not in it, but they're in it. Right. It's like we get every type of reaction. Mm -hmm. And I, I. identify and empathize with that so much and it's like so even to be on the outside of someone else experiencing it it's like i don't know what to do what's the right thing to do do i try to offer help constantly but that's all that person is getting is people offering help and i'm sure that's annoying and it's like but if i don't say anything then i'm looking like i'm not supportive and then it's like ah and then you have the third layer of like this isn't even about me why am i thinking about me so much and it's like terrible just terrible so i I bet our our friends were having that same thing. So, like, let's break down how all of our Scoobies handle it. Because Buffy and Don are in it. Buffy and Don are the directly affected. They are Joyce's kids. Their pain is going to be the most visceral and most prescient. It's the people on the outside. It's the tertiary figures that I can identify with. So I want to take a look into them. So, like, Willow, when we get to the dorm scene... Uh, it's Willow who we're, we're experiencing her reaction first, right? So she's panicking and trying to focus on anything she can, something she can control, and what she can control is changing her clothes over and over again, trying to find something perfect that would maybe somehow fix it or what she's supposed to do. What do you think? The the, the purple, right? Because it's Elmer? No. No, it's too depressing. It's like I'm a funeral guy. Well, this is, this is cheerier. Maybe, oh, I want to be cheery, like, like everything is normal. No, that's, that's rude. That's, it's disrespectful. La, 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 I don't care. Uh, if I had that blue one. Joyce really liked the blue one. She told me one time. Uh, I do want to point out that Tara's wearing a shirt that exposes her belly button. Again, inappropriately dressing to go to the morgue slash hospital, but that's fine, whatever. Um... Do you think that this is a realistic one of a realistic ways that somebody would handle death? I mean, she took you there. It doesn't matter if it's real or not. It's is it real to Allison Hannigan? Fuck yeah. Is it real to Willow, the character? Absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, she's manic and she wants that blue fucking sweater come hell or high water. And Tara, the angel, the angel is just like, I'll go back and check my room. I'll go down to the laundry room. And I feel like Willow can't kind of became the Tara to Xander later. Because she put up her fists, you know, to basically disarm Xander doing what you were talking about earlier. He was going off about the doctors and, you know, put a Band-Aid on and throw you home, you know, because he was spiraling out. And you just need someone to bring you back to Earth. Things don't happen. I mean, they don't just happen. Somebody's. I mean, somebody's got. Okay. Even Anya. She was strong probably for Xander earlier and then cratered out in this room. I don't understand how this all happens, how we go through this. I mean, I knew her and then she's, there's just a body. And I don't understand why she just can't get back in it and not be dead. 
anymore. It's stupid. It's mortal and stupid. And, and Xander's crying and not talking. And, and I was having fruit punch. And I thought, well, Joyce will never have any more fruit punch ever. And she'll never have eggs or yawn or brush her hair. Not ever. And no one will explain to me why. And she got really mad about that towel and threw it in the fucking dresser and sat with that little toy or whatever. You know, I mean, we all went through some things in this. So, yeah, I mean, everybody's reactions felt really good to me. Even Xander, who's like the, you know, he would be the one to punch a wall and shit like that. So, Josh Whedon echoes your sentiment about uh, Willow being the breaking point. That's that he said when he was filming it. He's like, we, everybody on the crew was just like, everybody was like holding on. And then every time Allison would go to do this part, it's just like, fuck it. Ah, everyone's crying now. <laughs> like outside of this show, I feel like anybody watching that would have would have just absolutely started crying if they watched this apropos of any knowledge of Buffy. Cause it's another thing about the show that makes it weird. This episode in particular has really almost nothing to do with Buffy, the vampire slayer, the show like glory gets mentioned in two instances by Xander and, and Giles and the vampire at the end. That's it. Otherwise like this show is yep. like disconnected. This is purely teenagers or young adults dealing with the death of, of the friend's mom. Anybody can relate to that, you know? That is very true. It's a very unbuffy episode in that regard, that it's yeah. like a wholly grounded in human ugliness. Yeah. Willow in the scene clearly is a wreck. Uh, and so they actually shot her with a handy cam, um, handheld camera, instead of doing a dolly or like a steady cam. And every time they, they show Tara, she is steady in frame, like yeah. all very intentional and artistic. And then like, they, they use that consistently throughout the episode. But um, I, for me, the, like, saddest gutting part of this this episode is uh, is Anya, Anya breaking down. Um, I think that they, nobody, I think the way that they treat Anya is a perfect example of how other TV shows and films and, and even just society at large is demanding that you treat death in this sanitized way where you're not allowed to ask questions. You're not, you're just supposed to know what to do and you're just supposed to react in certain ways. And it's uh, uncouth all the way to downright insensitive and, and offensive. If you don't follow this script that no one let you see beforehand. And it's like such a perfect encapsulation. And it's just like, yeah, she, she's for me. I'm just like, okay, well I'm just going to, not cry. It's fine. I'm not going to cry. Nobody. This is a TV show. <laughs> it's like, it, and it just like the innocence of the idea of something so small, like she's never going to have fruit punch again or have eggs or brush her hair. It's just like yeah, it's tough. We, we echo those kind of sentiments throughout the episode of little moments where like Buffy looking at the phone. Right. Joss said that that's the moment Buffy realizes Joyce is dead. And that's mm -hmm. why he shot it like that. And I was like, that's so interesting because I would not have thought that. I just thought of it as a weird, just like, like you were explaining earlier when you, Daniel, when you lost your glasses, just like this weird moment of like, as yeah. out of body, like where the, what's happening? And just like suddenly this physical object is here and now you're back in reality. And that's, that's, but I guess that's what he meant. Like, because of that now it's like, oh my God, this is real. I'm holding a phone. I'm not I'm holding a phone dreaming. and my mom is dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like. <sighs> Insane. So I think Anya saying those things is the same kind of concept for me where it's like you can think about death in this this vague kind of blurry vision idea of like what you think death is going to be like or how dramatic it is and all this stuff. 
but then it's like the little minutia of like you don't get to do that and that's what'll get you right mm. you'll be minding your business and like washing your car and you're like shit and not having the music yeah. in the episode th- another sense of relief like he uh Joss said you know death is doesn't have a soundtrack and it's like that's such a thing too tv is such a a mind altering or, or movies too for me it's like that that thing is missing and that makes it feel so much harder and harsher is is not having the music and having those little those little things and i get why zader would punch a wall is what i'm saying I, I, think, that's, I think that's kind of funny because often sometimes if i'm watching a show and it feels really dramatic i think about like you know, if this was real life, they wouldn't have that, like, dramatic soundtrack in the background and actually wouldn't seem that cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. But <laughs> it works in this instance. Well, there's a great joke on Community where um, <laughs> they're trying to say that, that Annie and Jeff are, like, having this romantic moment. And so it's, like, little montage of them, like, touching hands and, like, this sweet music. And it's like, you can do that with anybody. You can do that with Abed mm-hmm. and Pierce. And it's, like, <laughs> Abed about to step in shit. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, all this stuff. <laughs> anyway. We're not allowed to laugh. It's brilliant that they took away the music because often with a lot of shows, I mean, I just was looking back at some of like the best deaths of all time on TV. Mm. And, you know, we've got mm. the Game of Thrones people. We've got Lost people. But like Grey's Anatomy is a great all of those, too. Uh, you can include literally every one of these in there. Music does a lot of heavy lifting that we don't acknowledge. Classical or pop. That's it doesn't true. matter. And we often link the two, even if we're not really thinking of it. So you dream, you know, you see omar getting shot well there's music playing in that convenience store you think about gray's anatomy there was music being played as they were you know flatline what a amazing segue into uh tv deaths are there any that stuck with you that you can think of off the top of your head yes but first i want to just back to gray's anatomy because there's been this quote from gray's anatomy that's been floating in my head um and i think about it a lot and it doesn't have anything to do with death so this is going to sound really silly in context but meredith when she breaks up with Derek for yeah. the first time she says you never know when your last time is going to be the last time and she's talking about like i can't remember the last time i kissed him like was it this morning i wasn't even thinking about it and now i'll never kiss him again and like you get that moment with anya when she's like Joyce didn't know the last time she drank fruit punch was going to be her last time. And I think about that a lot in these kinds of situations where it's like you don't get the chance to, like, appreciate those things unless it's some sort of, like, terminal illness or something where they're thinking about, like, how do I want to spend the last three months of my life? What are the things that are important to me? But, like, you just do these things so routinely you don't even think about them. Like, I can't remember the last time I had fruit punch. Right, right. But maybe it is, like, literally the last time I'll ever have <laughs> fruit punch. That's and, like, that's kind of sad. And... <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, so... when was the last time I had fruit punch? I cannot, I couldn't even guess. Yeah. Brush my hair. I've not, I haven't brushed my hair since I was a kid. When's the last time I brushed? I'll never brush my hair again. I mean, <laughs> fuck. Well, your terminal illness thing was interesting. Not only because, like, I think that's true. Like, only with terminal illness, it, you can be, like, have the frame of mind possibly to think about that kind of stuff, right? Where you just know it could be the end. But I, but then we echo what mm-hmm. Tara said. Was it sudden? What? Your mother? No. And yes. In the end, you're not going to get to fruit punch, right? Right before you die. It's like, ah, fuck, I've had every type of juice, but I didn't have fruit punch again. And I don't remember the, I had pineapple, I had peach, I had everything, but not, you know what I mean? And it's like, ah, and you're on your deathbed. Fruit punch. Give me, put it in my mouth. No. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I think about, I've seen, I watch a lot of medical dramas, and I can't think of what it's called right now, but there's a TV show about a doctor who goes around and she um, assists patients with, um, like, what is it called? Euthanasia? Oh. The death with dignity thing. Oh, yeah, uh, where... Kill Mary something? Mary Kills? Something like yeah, that. Mary Kills, I think, is what it's called. That but... was a good show. I canceled it. Yeah, but it's so interesting because it's like, you know, these people, they're terminal. They know they're dying, and they, like, make the conscious choice to choose death. But also, like, there's, like, this one woman, and she's, like, drinking a glass of wine, and it's like, she knows that's her last glass of wine. She can, like, fully enjoy it, and there is some sort of satisfaction in that that you don't get when someone dies suddenly like even though you know you're you're dying and that's really sad it's also nice to know that you get the chance to like end your chapter i guess um which is like why it's such a mind fuck with joys because like obviously no one's no one's expecting it yeah lack of choice and knowledge is like the really scary part right it's like Mm -hmm. you don't get to pick when it happens and you don't get the knowledge of this is the last time I'm going to do any of this stuff. That's yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's a real bummer. All this is pretty sad, guys. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long, long tangent. No, 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 great, excellent. Uh, I mean, Tara's death and this death uh, to me are like yeah. one and one. Like Tara, it doesn't know the last time she drank fruit punch. You know, I mean, whenever Willow told her she was yeah. okay to drink fruit punch was the last time that she drank at that point. But get <laughs> some lightness to this episode. <laughs> No, but I mean, her death is definitely as traumatic. I mean, maybe not like as traumatic in like the framing of it. Obviously, it doesn't have a body. You couldn't do body part two. But um, as far as I remember, Sing Red is fucking horrible. I don't really want to watch that one either. So I guess we get to kind of explore this this again. But it's even sadder when it's Tara, who's a child, you know, uh, younger than us, you know, when she died. Mm. Yeah, I'm the the scene with with her and Buffy at the end. Like, just all I could think was like she's had such a short and brutal life like she's gonna die at 20 having whatever horrible fucking past she's had and it's just like that's her story sucks her story is a huge bummer yeah but uh tv death speaking of other characters whose (laughs) lives sucked when they died (laughs) spoiler alert to anyone who doesn't want to know about possibly obvious character death skip ahead (laughs) um okay famous tv death okay this is probably not famous because the show wasn't that famous but this is the one that I think of that I feel like captures the idea of like the suddenness of death kind of the way that this does which is in Lip Service which is a Scottish lesbian TV show that I think only had two seasons the main character Kat she is the main character the main character she is um Looking at her cell phone, she steps off the curb and she gets hit by a car and she dies. But unlike Ooh. unlike other shows where they like telegraph it, like they'll zoom out and show the car. They didn't do the bus shot, yeah. No, they don't do the bus shot. It just like snaps to black and like that's the end of the episode. And the next episode, they're like at the funeral parlor and her body's there and everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. And it was just like so, because that's how it would be though. Like, you know, as you yeah, with the be. cell phone yeah. getting hit by a car, you're not going to have that moment where like your camera pans back and you know it's uh, like you don't get that split second to like brace yourself. Like you don't get that like car <laughs> view <laughs> where someone's like driving, but then they look to the passenger and you see the headlights and you know they're about to get in a horrible wreck like you don't get that moment and that was so like shocking and um impactful to me because I don't think I've ever seen a tv show handle a death like that with that sort of like almost like 
casualness. Like, I don't even know what the right word yeah. to phrase it is, but, like, you don't get the space to think about, like, oh, this is going to happen or whatever. It just happens. That one always sticks out to me as, like, an iconic TV death. Yeah. No, yeah. it's excellent. I was I, yeah. I was definitely the person, like, yelling about Dawn existing, like, wait, what? What? Wait, what? This isn't what? She can't be what? What's happening? Yeah, because like, it didn't feel real. It, yeah. it, it was like... That she's the main character. I we're doing a weird dream sequence, right? Yeah. This is like, what if Cat had died, but we're gonna I mean, pan to her in the hospital of, being alive? It kind of forces you as the audience to go through the stages of grief because you're like bargaining mm-hmm. and you're like in denial. You're like, she's not actually yep. dead. She's not actually dead. Like she's gonna come back. That's not the way this goes. Like this is the main character. She's coming back, except she doesn't. She's just not there for season two. She's just dead, and everyone else has to deal with it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a really good, tough, good show. Dana, what are you, what are you, what yeah. do you got for TV deaths? Well, I, I, it's a, Entertainment Weekly did a list of 41 deaths, so I looked at them before. Um, 41? They just, mm-hmm. uh, arbitrary Weirdly number. Specific. Clickbait. Clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's pretty recent, but I won't go through all of them. But, I mean, just as we're talking about our, our the ones we remember, I mean, one of the ones that's on here, one of the one of the most shocking ones, was the show that will not be mentioned. I mean, of course, like the reigns of Castamere, like killing all of the fucking mm. Starks. I mean, Stark, Edward Stark mm-hmm. getting killed. I mean, Game of Thrones had a lot of great deaths like that. I mean, they were kind of yeah. known for that after this, which was the you know killing off of the main character and and moving along. And I think that that's something that I'm sure shows you know also saw and continue on that tradition, but. Um, it is crazy. I mean, Joyce was not a main character, so I, it's not like Buffy dying. If Buffy was the one that this happened to, we would have a different story on our hands. Yeah, I can't. The only one that comes to mind, just because it's another Joss Whedon vehicle, is um, mm. how Wash dies in Serenity, just because that oh, is yeah. so, so out of nowhere, too. Because he's just, it doesn't do the bus angle either. He's just like parking the ship and then dies. Like, what? Right? Isn't that what happens? No, they were like, they were like, under attack or something and he gets like a branch breaks through the window and everyone's kind of like are we okay oh and he's he's not he was yeah, on the, he, he was on the list of the 41 yeah i could just throw him out if you want to and i mean these are ones that i think we've seen maybe omar before on the wire he just walked into a convenience mm-hmm. store and got shot so that was random uh gray's anatomy gosh, everybody yeah, yeah Derek Derek uh shepherd obviously Derek died. dying was a big deal and that one was also like it wasn't like he died in a plane crash he was like on the side of the road trying to help someone and you think the entire time like they're gonna die and he breathes the sigh of relief that i saved them and then he gets hit by a car and dies <laughs> that's fucking crazy and then george o'malley of course so everyone from Grey's anatomy mm-hmm. i mean everyone was on there so uh that show yeah. was just known for all the deaths uh, walking dead people <laughs> that i forgot about Lori grimes remember Lori mm-hmm. died uh beth oh, yeah. remember beth I just Herschel's thought about that this morning for some Dad. reason. Uh, Jimmy Darmody <laughs> from uh, Boardwalk Empire. Remember, he died suddenly. Oh, yeah. And that was an actor thing. So a lot of times you can look into this and be like, oh, the actor was terrible. That's why they killed mm-hmm. him off. So uh, that's often a, a thing here. Cartoon people on here. Ned Flanders' wife died, Maud, and she was gone oh, from wow. the show. And uh, Sarah Lynn from BoJack Horseman. Uh, a lot of lost people. Uh, you know, Saeed. Son and Jin died. Obviously, they were all dead or not all dead, right? So uh, Adriana from The Sopranos was a big one. Terry Bauer at the end. It was another mom died at the end of 24. And our own Darla uh, 
Julie Benz died in Dexter season four, which is yeah. mm-hmm. I would go up there with like my like holy shit moments because you did not see her dying uh, in that show, and that show from there took a nosedive. But um, but that was yeah. great. Those are the big ones, you know, from that list. Otherwise, they were just kind of like older stuff that I didn't. Yeah, so that's the question. It's like those are shocking because they're unexpected, right? But I don't know that that necessarily makes for a a good death, you know, like how this episode deals with the whole scope of it that that first four hours thing. uh, This I I can't think of any other show that has handled it this well or like gone there. Yeah. Every one of those listed it's, you know, I don't think you can find a list of like the most realistic depictions cause they're all about the most right. shocking and, and, and Joyce is on there. I, she's, you know, I don't know if it's in order, oh, yeah? but yeah. Jo- oh, absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, I don't think you can make this list without Joyce on it, but it, I, most of them are exactly what you're saying. They're not like a shocking death in like a medical, like an accident happened. I mean, everyone I just listed, a horrible accident has happened. I mean, even Ned Flanders' wife got hit by Homer in his t-shirt gun. So, like, that's <gasps> how she died. Like, or That's it's, so or, messed up. Exactly. Everyone here died in a terrible way. Like, yeah, every one of them was murdered. Every one of them was murdered. Yep, murder. Murder for the most part. Every single person, except for Sarah Lynn with a heroin overdose. And she's a cartoon character. And Joyce. And Joyce. Right, Joyce, I think, is the outlier in all of this. Like, she's a real person who died of a normal yeah. thing. And none of them deal with the deaths in any real way, as far as I can glean. Yeah, I just really can't think of... I mean, you mentioning Six Feet Under is good, because the, that's literally the show, right? That Every episode is dealing with someone being dead. So, like, it also... On that that note, makes it kind of rude, right? It makes it kind of monotonous. It's it's not the focus of a thing. We're not going to do the special directory episode because that's every episode. Even though they do, they do with some of them for sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. And I can't you could think of anything make else. The valid case that yeah, you can make the case that Sia owns that episode. Yeah, that it's not really the ending of it, but it's Sia. But then there's like Parks and Rec that does exactly the same as as that as as uh, uh, Sixteen right. Under. Only without the sad emotional deaths, right? But we all, but we skip ahead and we get that catharsis like that. Um, but that's not people dying. So, I guess Jerry Gergich dies. He does. We go to his on his hundredth birthday. Yeah. Why are we talking about Gergich? <laughs> Shocking! Shocking death. We'll go. We'll deal. We'll help. That's what we do. We help Buffy. Well, I hope we've given appropriate like deference that's not the right word tonally we're okay so far that we've done as good as we can (laughs) given the subject matter and said that this is a great episode but i also want to say some things loudly and perhaps inappropriately so what Let's yell about some stuff. Stacia, I'm not going to throw it to you because I know you only have one thing to say. Spoiler. Hey. (laughs) Hopefully no one steals my thing. Oh, this episode did make me think about Prophecy Girl for a moment. I wanted to let you know that. Shock. Uh, So when Buffy finds Joyce's body and does the the mom, mom, mommy thing, Mm. uh, she is so scared. And, like, the only time I can think of her being so scared like that is is in Prophecy Girl. Giles, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. He said that he regrets. They had to do the continuous scene, that whole open thing, seven times. 
uh, and they shot it sequentially. So even after the, there are a lot of cuts in this too. I I misremember this being like literally the whole ten minutes, but there's a, b- a bunch of cuts. Um, but because they sh- shot this whole episode sequentially, which is rare for any uh, director to do on any movie or anything, just because cost wise, lots of factors. Um, so she gets really emotional finding the body and then kind of like has that dazed, quiet, going through the house thing and then has to ramp back up when she's like, we're not supposed to move the body. Like, so he was like, I would not ever do that again because I had to make her go down to zero and then go back up to 10 over and over again. I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, Daniel. Like I said before, love the cutting uh, of Dawn's Dawn's cutting herself being part of the plot. Uh, was very unexpected. However, this made me, when she was having the conversation with that boy, it made me, sorry, think about the broken record that I am about the monks. So the monks <laughs> have imprint, have implanted Dawn into the fabric of every one of these children's lives. And we can say that we could, um, that Dawn could be new to the school, right? So they don't know her from childhood or whatever. But they have given this 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 figment, this ball of energy, a physical easel for her to draw negative space on. Presumably she has done this at all of her classes over time. So Joyce has receipts in the form of paintings that Dawn has done from kindergarten all the way through middle school. Now, where are these paintings? Did the monks do them? Did they steal them from other children? Did they give (laughs) false memories to kids who were sitting next to Dawn throughout all of these just artistic excursions. Again, this is not getting into physical education, social studies, history. She just said the annals of history, right? She can't say the word annals, so she said annals. So she's in a history class where someone else has an imprinted memory of her that's not real. So this is just for art, and art's a very physical thing. So she's got these physical pieces that the monks made to prove that she's alive. Anyways, I'll I'll leave rest my case there. Yeah, thinking about Don's ephemera is really really fascinating because you're totally yeah. right and i've never never thought about it yeah, just having her at school we've never got to hang out I mean, with her we at talked school. about all amazing. her journals right oh yeah all yeah, the journals the, sure the journals yeah but i mean the monks wrote them right so what are we doing here what are we doing it's incredible i'm just saying the scope of this is incredible we need to talk <laughs> but, more about the monks i guess they must have just done a spell like when willow's just like party decorations so what, they're looking at a fucking they're looking at a, a blank piece of paper, but to them, they're seeing what a seven-year-old would do. I don't know. I don't because know. of the spell, they just they just clap their hands, and then it's like bullshit <laughs> from childhood. It appears. Wow. I don't know, man. All right, all right, all right, Kelly. Fine, if that's what we have to do. All right. She should have thrown to me first because you spoiled me, but that's fine because I'm going to say something else, which is. Annals of history, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, if Buffy had died in Prophecy Girl, Dawn never would have been sent to her because she would be dead, which means that Joyce wouldn't have had any daughters when she died, which means that no one would have found Joyce dead until her body decomposed to the point that neighbors called about a terrible smell in her house. You're welcome. Yeah. That's really morose. Oh no! Or Brian, she could have been with Brian. Oh, at that maybe. Point, I don't believe. Maybe it. they would have met earlier. Or I don't if you believe Daniel's theory and and some other people's theory in the internet, she wouldn't have died at all because the aneurysm was caused by the monks. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the vampire fight. The only thing I could think was, 
Come on, Sunnydale General. We have to start treating these neck rupture cases differently. We can't just leave them laying about all over the morgue. You have to know by now that every every time we bring one of these neck rupture cases in, our fucking, uh, what are they called? Medical examiner ends up dead from also neck rupture. We just can't figure it out. Weirdly contagious. God. And the original body is just gone. <laughs> we don't secure our building. Surely all of their equipment is knocked over every morning. They walk in, they're like, oh, we lost a body. This place is a mess. Oh, I guess. Guess we'll just keep going. You would think that the job of Sunnydale coroner would be harder to fill than defense against the dark arts. Right. Right. No. No. Uh, Daniel. Uh, well, I was gonna say something about the monks' understanding of the American tradition of Santa Claus, and they implanted that into Dawn. But I'll leave that aside. I do my only nitpick uh, in this episode. Sorry, all the nitpickings about the the monks aside from the aside uh, is the throw up uh, that Buffy does mm. is fake as shit. Um, it's the only oh, yeah. thing in the episode. I, I I mean I like it. It's very um, you know I don't know like just pulling the paper towels, soaking it in. Like I get why we wanted to do that, but I think her even going into that side room and just like collapsing on the wicker chair looking outside that the chimes chiming and then her like walking outside yeah. to get more of the sound would have been as effective because then we wouldn't have had to have a fake vomit sound. Not great. <laughs> that was the only thing that took me out. That was the only thing. Yeah. The sound is rough. Oh, I just remembered something that you said earlier in this episode, Daniel, you, we were talking about how Don, Donya. Wow. Ooh. How Anya, uh, flops in the Papa's on chair and you said something very crucial. You said she gets mad and throws that towel out of the chair and shoves it into the dresser. You missed the joke. I probably did. I that know. is not a towel. That uh, is the blue sweater that Willow has been crying oh, about it? the whole time. See, I, th- yeah. Yeah. I, thought it w- I thought it was, but then it just looked like a towel. So I was like, oh, that was a misdirect. Oh, yeah. But I guess it yeah, was. Yeah, because it was on the toy. She, like, removes the sweater from the toy. Does and, she? Yeah. I thought she just... She sat, sat up. Sat up and was sitting on it and pulled she was it out. No, it was on the toy. No. No, 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 no. Whatever. No, it was Either underneath way, the toy. That's least. definitely the sweater. Okay, that's great. Yeah. That makes me even happier. Yeah. That's a yeah. very puffy sweater. <laughs> that's incredibly very puffy. puffy. That's like, but then I guess I have to think, I mean, my next one is Willow was going to go to see Buffy for the first time with a shirt that's Campus Queen on it. So oh, yeah. I guess that <laughs> I need to get back in the mindset of Willow's attire. Could absolutely have a, a, a sweater that's basically a towel. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think Tara off screen was like, do you want to borrow my marijuana t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not using it. <laughs> it's also kind of blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck yeah. Poor Tara. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have anything else. Uh, two things. One, the big honking menorah was pretty great um that's mm-hmm. a fun out of context thing the only the final thing i can think is when uh, xander and uh, anya are walking in there's a fucking poster that says which oh, one yeah. is 16 and it's i assume just like id like i, I think they're holding up ids in my head mm. and they're like i'm 16 for what what do you need to be 16 for the driver smoking like i have no idea what this poster yeah, is I'm i looked so it up glad online you said that and it's not a thing. I mean, I hmm. I tried my best, but I couldn't find any evidence that's a real poster. I 
sincerely hope that there's a job in Hollywood where you just make bizarre posters to put in backgrounds, and I would like that job. I am applying. Directors, get at me. Art department. Art department, get at me. I'm ready. I'm ready. I got my uh, Photoshop skills slightly honed. (laughs) I wish that Joyce didn't die. Because she was nice. And now we all hurt. Anya, ever the wordsmith. On to more important things. We are a real podcast, and you can find us everywhere. And you can tell us how sad you are, too. At BeatMePod. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Uh, we have a website. That's BeatMePod.wordpress.com. It's got show notes on it. And we also have a playlist that's on Spotify that has music in our podcast episodes, as well as music contained in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. None for this episode, obviously. But that's at Beat Me hyphen Funtime Playlist for Podcast Fans Season 5. Check that out if you'd like to. Please and thank you. Um, let's update some watches. I'm curious, because, boy, was I not paying attention. Well, don't be too curious, Kelly. Watches, I'm just going to lay it out for you. Xander Construction Outfit Watch, Maroon Jacket Watch, Don Piercing Scream Watch, Ships Ahoy Watch, Buffy Has a Personality, DeHoffrin, Taryn Willow on the Pot Again, Michael Amy Wicked Goth Watch, Books a Million, and Giles Biggest KO. No. There's nothing. <laughs> and streets ahead, streets ahead. I mean, you got to give it maybe to like Willow and Tara's apartment and like where he parked outside to get double parked. Like, if you're being generous, otherwise it's a straight no all around, as you would expect from this episode of TV. Nothing. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Well, I think it's time to rank this sucker so we can stop having to talk about it because everyone's sad now uh willow hack slash we're talking about the net slash something wicked this way comes there's not really room for it in this episode and it certainly does not happen this episode just crying so we gave it a five we is me giles level of giles i gave him a 10 because he's taking care of business he barges in the door tries to help joyce unfortunately cannot be helped and then is like i will do all the forms i i am for men and i can do the forms uh so if you're a follower of this podcast, a listener of this podcast, you know that we have uh, been using we. Again, I'm saying we. These are my ra- my rankings. I have been using uh, a category in my rankings about Joyce, whether or not she's a terrible mom. Uh, and not only is it incredibly uncouth to continue that on, consider she's <laughs> dead. Uh, it just wouldn't make any sense. And we can't, for the science of the thing, continue. So I had to come up with a whole new category. And I... Hopefully everyone is is on board because I think it's still very relevant. Uh, Don needs an adult, so that's going to be anytime Don is needs to be taken care of and no one is around to do it. I was going to say leave it all on Buffy's shoulders, but I don't think that's fair. One, Buffy dies, so she's out of the game for a while, so she can't really be held accountable for that. Uh, oh, wow. And two, I think Tara's an excellent mom to Don, and I don't want her to not get the points she deserves for for being a great parent. So, so ten. Ten is that she doesn't need any help. She's a functioning adult herself, or one is bad, or it's the opposite. No, so it's not about Dawn, or, or rather, it's not from Dawn's perspective. It's about everyone else taking care of Dawn. So a, a okay. ten would be everyone's doing what they're supposed to do, and Dawn has a healthy, stable life. A one would be okay. Willow got high in a crack den and forgot <laughs> her at the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't forget her at the movies. Left her out in the alley. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Worse. Well, 
thankfully that's a hypothetical and that never happened. So. Yeah, that's not the willow I know. Looking at you, season six. All right, so so everybody understands we're all on board for okay. Dawn needs an adult. I love adult. it. I love it. Dawn needs an adult. Yeah. Okay. So this one I gave it an eight. Clearly, Dawn is struggling with the very recent. It just happened, death of her mom. But you know, everybody's really there to comfort her. They're trying to. Make sure she's okay, keeping an eye on her. The only reason I, I knocked it down a couple points is because she was able to go and get attacked by a vampire. Um, and, but I mean, like, I understand she's a, she's gonna, she is able to go wherever she wants to, so you can't really protect her all the time. But I'm just saying, I know we the plot demanded it, but I feel like we could have not had the breakdown right in front of her entire class. But I don't know, we'll see. Anyway, so eight for that. Dawn needs an adult. Monster of the week, yeah. So what is the monster? What is the monster? If that was one of my proposed questions. The concept of death is tough, but sure. Is it more specifically an aneurysm, or is it the really strangely airbrushed vampire? I'm going to say... I think this... I'm curious as to what you're going to say, because it's either a 10 or it's going to be some fudged number. Oh, no, it's definitely a 10, but I don't know okay, what... I, can't, I don't know how to justify it, but I put 10 anyway. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> if it's not a 10, you're out of your mind. Relationship goodness or badness. Uh, obviously, everyone is destroyed, but everyone is together. So together. And I mean, honestly, on the shoulders of Tara alone, like being a rock for like every... Just the the idea of her being the only steady camera and like her having the insight, being detached enough to be supportive. I think she's just integral in this episode. Uh, and all and you know everybody supporting each other is just in a terrible time. Uh, ten out of ten, can't help that. And then episode specific, we're not supposed to touch the body. God, ten out of ten. <laughs> so fifty-two. You could have done a Santa Claus joke. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought about doing a jokey one, but I was just like her screaming that, and then immediately being like, "My mom's dead." I just said that. I just said those words. Ooh. Anyway, 52. 52 that puts it at number one for the season above Wolf for Love and Buffy versus Dracula. Could you believe? Wow. You said Buffy versus Dracula was the best episode of the season. No, Fool for Love. No, Fool for Love. I don't know. They're tied. They're tied. They're both at 50. So I gave Fool for Love the edge in the rankings because I have to break no the ties. More. Somehow. No more. No more. The body, unquestionably, number one for the season. Stacia? Uh, I also ranked this top of the season. Nice. And yeah. in reference to the, what do we got around it? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Where? How high is this? I ranked this. Um, I ranked this two out of ninety four. Oh, damn! Yeah. Behind Let's what? Go. What's number one? Prophecy Girl. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I mean, I. I Both emotionally resonant episodes, but I'd rather watch Prophecy Girl. Sorry, the body's a huge yeah. bummer. Yeah, the, the Prophecy oh, Girl definitely totally. has more rewatchability. <laughs> <laughs> the moments that are sad are very tiny, and you yeah. can like they they mean a lot, as a normal TV show does. It's like this t- this spot of the TV show is very hard. The rest of it's fine. That's the point of a TV show, not fifty minutes of sadness. Yeah, that's what you don't come to TV for. Yeah, Joss kept saying in the commentary, he's like, sometimes we have jokes on this show. And just like, oh, God. She's going to go home, lie down, and listen to country music. The music of pain. Uh, Daniel, the world is watching. Wait, no, waiting. We need to know. Whoa. 
The world is watching. The world. <laughs> Britta, the world is watching. Um, I was looking at the the Emmys too. This is an aside a little bit, but I was looking at the Emmy Awards because this got snubbed from every Emmy, which is a mm. fucking looking back twenty years ago. This is still such vital TV. This is still one of the best things made, even in 2021, um, when, when we're recording this episode. The fact that it was not nominated. However, it is very interesting because if it was nominated, I feel like this is a get out situation where get out was n- not a dr- It wasn't in the drama category. It was in the comedy category. Like oh. a lot of dramas oh. sort of skirt that because they're not all the way dramas, but they're the comedy is like it is a funny, mo- uh, funny movie, but it's also very serious. So if this show was going to be nominated, where would it go? It would more than likely go into the comedy category, not the drama category, mm. which is hilarious to think about this comedy show putting the body as the best comedy episode, yeah. right? I mean, that would be incredible. And it should have won because uh, you know what won in 2001? Everybody loves Raymond. Oh, no. What the fuck? I mean, come on. I mean, we're in a different world. If it was in the drama <laughs> category, she probably would have lost to Edie Falco in, uh, in The Sopranos. Yeah. So you had three Soprano women in that category of the five. So the Sopranos were like the darlings at this one because this was season two for them. Um, So this was like they took barnstormed the whole thing. So you were up against the Sopranos, which is pretty tough. But if we think about TV today, I think we think of things like Buffy and the Sopranos as taking down the network TV channels. Like Buffy is very different in the same way the Sopranos is different. And they're doing the same type of stuff on two different networks where they're allowed to be more free. And they prove that TV is like an incredible medium and it doesn't have to be everybody loves Raymond. (laughs) That being said, I think that the body is perfect. Um, As far as I can see, it's technically marvelous. It can be poured over. It can be read about. It can be studied. It can be written about in a dissertation. It can be watched independently of the show. And I think that's an, an enormous strength. And as we said before, I think the vampire thing is the only part you would have to explain to somebody. But even that, you know, you can make the case that the vampire is like real life. Like that is Buffy is a vampire slayer. It would almost be Mm. weird to not have a vampire in it. So explaining that at the end, it's almost like, no, her real life keeps going on. Yeah. Even though Joyce is dead, her life continues. Um, That being said, I can't put this number one because Restless is number one. And I was thinking about Restless this whole time because to me, Restless is a messy fucking episode. It is not perfect. But to me, it's a great encapsulation of Buffy the Vampire Slayer because say what you will about the body. It's not really that much of a Buffy episode. It it benefits from us knowing Buffy's character and all the characters that we've known to, to come to love. But it's such an incredible directing and writing performance that this could be a short movie by itself. And it would have been okay. It wouldn't have been as like popular because it wasn't on fucking WB. But it would have been just as good by itself. Whereas Restless would be a dumpster fire. Imagine that being <laughs> put out in theaters. It makes no fucking sense. But, but with that, I, but, but because of the highs and the lows, Restless being number one, I still believe it's number one. I still believe it's a great Buffy episode Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode but this is number two number two of 137 is the body there's no doubt and I think about what number three will be which is once more with feeling and I still think sandwiched between restless and once more you have the sad patty and <laughs> sad sandwich chomp on the sad patty you're good <laughs> oh no 
just but it is. on the set, Patty. Those are the oh, three. Man. Those are the three. And I was looking up like best TV shows, uh, like best episodes of TV. Like The Ringer just did one last year, the best ones of the 21st century. And uh, and number 25 was Once More With Feeling. And their rules were only one per series. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you were going to do one per series, what would you choose? The body or Once More? You know, no normal person picks Restless, even if it's like one of your I'd favorites. But those two would be the yeah. ones, right? <laughs> well, I, I would pick Hush. They should have said she would pick Hush, too. Yeah, yeah, and Hush is another one. And Hush has been part of other lists as well, because I looked at a couple of them. But I was like, true, Hush. Hush would be the only other third. But you would never you would never choose Restless. But um, but I think that, you know, this, this episode is fucking perfect. It's amazing. But it can't be number one, so it has to be number two. <laughs> Solid logic. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yes. Unfortunately. Oh, man. I'm really glad that we... Got through this one. I like. I hope we hit the beats people were wanting us to hit, but also like, I don't know, man. This episode is very sad. You gotta just gotta <laughs> do what you gotta do. But I mean, Stacia, any any final things to say about it before we finally put it to rest? No pun intended. I should have phrasing Stacia. <laughs> oh no. Um, R.I.P. Joyce. Oh yeah, oh. that's nice. Daniel, anything to say else? Yeah, R.I.P. Joyce. You were. Nothing but a great character for us to make fun of. <laughs> we always, we always yeah, loved you. Yeah, why haven't we eulogized Joyce? Oh, yeah, that's something yeah. I could have done. Oh, man. Well, enjoy at the end of this episode. We'll have a nice, long, every Joyce interaction that's been on our show. I'll Wonderful. do a big collage. There so you go. Enjoy that soon. The yes. eulogy montage. That's you, what we need. Yeah. Yeah, goodbye, Joyce Summers. Uh, you were here infrequently and made some kinds of impressions on occasion and once empanadas and once yes. empanadas <laughs> and you'll be back for flashbacks so yes. we'll yeah, see sure. you again yeah not the end of christine sutherland so no. uh all right on to not necessarily happier things but That's i am I mean, really yes. really excited to watch forever because i know this is one of daniel's favorite episodes and like i on it just never sticks for me, I still like don't a hundred percent know the beats other than like I know Angel's there and I know we go steal the egg so that Don can bring Joyce back. But like, I like I'm really excited to watch it again with a more analytical eye and just like really, really let it get in this time. So um, until then, yeah. Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye, Daniel, say goodbye. What a prima biatch! I swear, yeah. if I could make beat me pods head explode using only the power of my mind, that's what I'd be doing right about now. I just read that out loud for the first time that's what happened to joyce that is dark oh yeah oh yeah that is true i mean not in the literal literal sense but yes also also. in the literal sense yes oh that is what happened oh my god they just laid it out yeah oh my god fade to black well anyways (laughs) oh man kirsty the passive aggressiveness that was a better world before we knew this it was just kirsty was the the biggest enemy she should have been the monster of the week son of a bitch anyway Join us for forever. Till then, goodbye. <laughs> Again, I almost hung up. Strong, strong, like an Amazon. Ooh, looks like I interrupted a secret meeting. <laughs> you sure didn't. <laughs> oh, I, I know you kids think that stuff's cool. Buffy told me you dabble. Right, absolutely. That's me. I'm a dabbler. But anybody who could do this isn't cool. Lots of parenting going. But 
Are you sure your egg is secure in that? Did I ask for backseat mommy? Bristow's demon index? Hell's offspring? A hobby of mine. Shh, should I be whispering? No. Joyce, you mustn't blame yourself for her leaving. I don't. I blame you. What, you're going out? Giles, slay study double feature. Could be late. Again. Honey, don't you think Mr. Giles is monopolizing an awful lot of your time? And does he ever say he's sorry? Um, I've, uh, I've got laundry. Why are you... You had sex with Giles? You had sex with Giles? Oh, dear. What? I left my bra on his car. Mother! I'm joking. Good God, that's horrible. Don't do that. I left it in the restaurant. I'm not like this. I don't invite strange men over for coffee. It's just... Oh, when you girls are older, you'll understand. It's hard to date. Sometimes you just feel like giving up on men altogether. It screams, Randy, sex kitten, buy me one drink and I'll... Oh, wait, that's not really good either. Oh, God. I mean, unless you want to stay for a while and then you and I Who can... Who wants to hear everything? The candy. We were teenagers. On the hood of a police car? Listen to my mom talk about boys. I'll be downstairs. You feel better. Twice? Right. Must go. See you tomorrow. Bye, Joyce. Bye, Rupert. How you feeling? Fine. Bordering on chipper and uh, tomorrow planning on being obnoxious. Admit it. Some days don't you want to just wake up and say to hell with the diet? Want to make waffles? You shouldn't eat anymore. You're disgustingly fat. Listen, you two, I know this cream spinach is pretty delicious, but I promise I won't be offended if you go out for some real food. Are you kidding me? This is the good life. Relaxing in bed while people bring you food entrees. Probably just full from that bite of dinner you nearly had. A little responsibility is all I ask. Honestly, don't you ever think about anything besides boys and clothes? Saving the world from vampires? I swear, sometimes I don't know what goes on in your head. Just have another drink. Don't you talk to me that way. You don't get to just dump something like this on me and pretend it's nothing. Buffy can be awfully negative sometimes. See, honey, you gotta fight that. Working on it. Since when does it matter what I want? I wanted a normal, happy daughter. Instead, I got a slayer. I've missed you. Because I haven't visited, right? I knew it. I am your mother, and you will make time to explain yourself. I told you. I'm a vampire slayer. Well, I just don't accept that. When did you die? You never told me you died. No, it, it was just for a few minutes. Oh, I hate this. I hate your life. I guess I just got used to all the quiet while you were gone. I must be getting better, because you're making fun of me. Well, you know, got a lot of time to make up for. I can't wait till Mom gets the bill for these books. I hope it's a funny aneurysm. Oh, hi, honey. Why are you living in the walls? Oh, oh sweetie, no, I'm fine here. Don't worry about me. It looks dirty. Well, it seems that way to you. I made some lemonade, and I'm learning how to play mahjong. You go find your friends. I think they might be in danger. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> um, a mouse is playing with my knees. I, I really don't think you should live in there. Mom, what did they find? A shadow. I've got a shadow. Somewhere over there. He showed it to me, but, um... Well, you could 
and probably break through the wall. That's uh, striking and Nigerian. Yes, I, I have this wonderful dealer who specializes in ancient artifacts. I, I don't know. You know, I love our talk as much as the next very dull person, but we have work to do, Giles. Oh, well, I got talking about the gallery. What they didn't get was that it was a copy of a bill of lading. So they thought that it was another order form. So now I've got two shipments of Greek amphrey on my hands. <laughs> funny. And really, how many do you need amphrey? <laughs> well, honey, I've got the Gurian showing tonight. And there's so much to do to get the gallery ready. Buffy, what would I do with 40 chocolate bars? You could hand them out at the gallery. Buy something pre-Columbian, get a free cavity. He came to the gallery my first day back when I was, you know, kind of shaky, starting over. And he asked a question about these antique cameos. Oh, and I was so lost because Carol had been doing the ordering while I was sick. Well, it turned out that he didn't know anything about them either. So we had a lot to talk about. You're a good mom. I'm the best. No, I'm pretty sure the best moms let their daughters drive. And yet, I'm still the mom, which means I get to worry about you two, which is a good thing because you're a vampire slayer. And you, you are my little pumpkin Billy. Oh, Mom, that's like my kid name. So I can't be retro? Did you ever have any names for me? No, I think you were always just Buffy. Don't worry about it, I was dreaming about bills.